Welcome to the NPTE Final Frontier Podcast, helping one student at a time. Visit NPTEFF.com to enroll today so you can pass tomorrow. Thank you for joining us here on the NPTE Final Frontier Podcast. My name is David. And my name is Nick. Today, we'll be discussing spongillosis, spongillolysis, and spongillolisthesis. All right, let's start this episode off with spondylosis. This is degeneration of the intervertebral disc. This is going to have the most common being cervical spondylosis. Now, since cervical spondylosis is the most common, let's look a little bit more into the details with, cerv- with that cervical region. Cervical spondylosis is a chronic degenerative condition affecting the contents of the spinal canal. This would include the nerve roots and or the spinal cord. The cervical vertebral bodies and the intervertebral disc, which is the most common cause of progressive spinal cord and nerve compression. The most common area to be affected in the, spine, in the cervical spine is C5 to C6 and C6 to C7. This is often seen in patients that are 25 years of age and older. 60% of those are older than 45 years of age, while 85% of those are older than 65 years of age. A patient with spondylosis would present with the following. Insidious onset. The pain presentation is usually going to be unilateral with the distribution pattern into the affected dermatomes with potential to affect myotomes. Pain increases on extension and decreases with flexion. Pain is usually not relieved by rest, while the patient may also complain of referred pain to the shoulder, arm, or the neck. The patient can also present with stiffness in the cervical region and have muscle guarding of those cervical muscles. Cervical spine active range of motion and passive range of motion will be reduced and may have an altered end feel, such as a muscle spasm or bone-to-bone. Deep tendon reflexes may be hyporeflexic. Radiography will show narrowing of disc spaces and osteophyte formation. Some special tests that may be positive would be Sperling's test, distractions test, the upper limb tension test, and also shoulder abduction test. Next up, we have spondylolysis. Spondylolysis is a defect in pars interarticularis, or the arch of the vertebra. This is most commonly seen in the L5 to S1 region. This defect is a stress fracture caused by repetitive extension and torsion of the spine. The patient will usually be asymptomatic, therefore it is difficult to detect. The patient's going to have pain with extension and or rotation. Patients with bilateral pars defects can progress to a spondylolisthesis. Occasionally, radiating pain, numbness, or weakness can be seen as well. Hyperlordosis, ipsilateral paraspinal muscle spasms, and adaptive shortening of hamstrings may be present. Radiographs will reveal a spotty dog lesion, and you will want to avoid lumbar extension with these patients. All right, now let's give David a break and let's talk about spondylolisthesis. 
When we think about spondylolisthesis, we're referring to a forward displacement of one vertebra on the vertebra below it. And retrolisthesis is referring to backwards displacement of one vertebra on another vertebra. Now, referencing the term of anterior spondylolisthesis may be helpful when trying to differentiate the terminology because we're going to put some direction to it. Since the prefix spondylo can be referring to vertebra, while listhesis can be referring to slipping. Now, spondylolisthesis can occur at any age and can be secondary to a congenital malformation in the pars interarticularis, trauma, a pathological process, a fracture in the vertebral arch, possible repetitive hyperextension activity in that region, or degeneration changes related to obesity or age. And as an example, an exaggerated lumbar lordosis can be associated with an increased anterior shear force at the lumbosacral junction, possibly increasing the development of anterior spondylolisthesis in some individuals. So spondylolisthesis can be graded according to the amount of forward slippage occurring to the superior vertebra on the inferior vertebra. And this is typically done through a radiograph. The grading can be labeled as follows, typically grades one through five. Grade one is up to 25% slippage. Grade two is 26 to 50% slippage. Grade three is 51 to 75% slippage. Grade four is 76 to 100% slippage. And finally, grade five is greater than 100% slippage. Now, spondylolisthesis can occur in many areas, but it typically occurs at the L4, L5, or L5S1 level. As one can imagine, with the forward slipping of the vertebra, this could reduce the space of the spinal canal or spinal foramen or the foramen space, affecting the nervous system. And one may think about the cauda equina by the L5-S1 junction with slips of grades three or four. So in other words, we can say that spondylolisthesis may bring about spinal stenosis, possibly then bringing about neurological symptoms such as radiculopathy while creating excessive stress on the supporting ligaments and joints. And with all that being said, an individual can also be asymptomatic with spondylolisthesis. Now, spondylolisthesis can be placed under a flexion bias, as the symptoms associated are typically decreased in positions of spinal flexion, while then being exacerbated with spinal extension and possible rotation. This can be due to that those spinal flexion positions may aid in the increase of the anterior posterior diameter of the intervertebral canal. So one may see interventions related to more of a flexion approach, essentially trying to decrease that anterior shear force at the spine, although this can vary. And finally, some resources may point to what they refer to as instability, functional instability, or segmental instability, essentially referring to the spine not being able to maintain typical displacement when placed under a load. This typically guides a portion of the intervention towards increasing stability and the necessary musculature, or simply put, increasing both segmental and global stability. So this could be referring to a possible presentation of decreased stabilizing musculature activity. Thanks, Nick. Here's a quote from Theodore Roosevelt for all of you listeners to think about. Believe you can, and you're halfway there. Thank you very much for listening. For more information on NPTE Final Frontier, please visit NPTEFF.com. You can also check us out on all of our other social media platforms, such as Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.
We hope this episode discussing spondylosis, spondylolysis, and spondylolisthesis was helpful. And we look forward to you joining us here next time for the NPTE Final Frontier podcast. Thank you.